episode, but also a little bit of a tough episode just because of the subject. Um, and I think it's good just to say kind of what we're hoping to achieve, I guess, with this. Yeah. yeah. I think so, that's kind of important. So welcome to this episode, episode five, um, but also buckle up. Yeah. Um, especially if you're a believer and mm. the topic of gender in the church is a hard one. Um, today we're going to break down uh, gender as it's one of, one of the facets of our identity, mm-hmm. one of the facets of our cultural identity. Um, we're going to break down gender from a biblical perspective. Um, and we have a couple of guests on um, to talk with us about that. Our, I guess our producer, yeah. <laughs> Jacob, <laughs> is going to be on, um, as well as, if you remember, Terry Steele. His wife, Melody Steele, is going to be mm-hmm. joining us as well. As we go through this, of course, we are trying to handle this with as much care and, and love as we can, you know, especially with a subject such as this, you know. And one thing that Culture Bound always makes sure is that it's a front, uh, beside working within the Holy Spirit and, and, and loving Jesus, is loving others and making sure that we're looking to build relationships and build bridges and not tear them down. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the precursor almost i guess is that we're hoping to to continue to build relationships and hopefully what we say today empowers others to do that same thing within the church and within their own communities yeah and i i don't feel apologetic about this episode at all not at all yeah it's going to be really great um however if you have a different perspective if you have other thoughts that you want to send our way please do um, we by no means claim that we have all of the answers through this episode or that yeah. we have some special secret truth that <laughs> has never been shared before, <laughs> but um, please send us an email with questions or thoughts or whatever controversial, spicy tidbit you want to throw our way, and you can send that to podcast at culturebound.com. Yeah, again, you know, a lot of, about, about this season is about experiences you know mm-hmm. as we bring people on to talk about their experiences we also want to hear about yours as well yes you know yeah this this episode however is I, sh- I should say is not is not about these people's experiences with gender Good to point from out, a biblical yeah. standpoint we're just going through and breaking down some things that scripture says about men and women mm-hmm. um and to hopefully gain some clarity. These are passages that my, I myself have struggled with for several, several years. And, um, you know, anyone who reads them kind of has to take a second glance. And it's like, did, did the Bible really say that? Does it mean what I think it means at first glance? So um, hopefully this episode provides a little bit of clarity. It gets your, your brain gears moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that is ultimately the goal with this is to take a deeper look than just that first glance where where you're thinking i don't know if that actually means what i think it means because it feels divisive yeah be ready to break out your study bible and if you're into it your your hebrew or your greek or whatever you need please do yeah because we're going to be doing that right here in the studio so we hope you enjoy this episode hope it gets you thinking um and ultimately i hope that it brings you closer to a conversation but also mm. just closer in relationships to your friends of the opposite gender yeah i hope it starts those conversations and i hope it's empowering for everyone involved mm.
Mel and Jacob, it's great to have you on this episode. Would you guys each take a moment to introduce yourself? Mel, would you like to go first? Sure. My name is Melody Steele, and I was born and raised in Portland, Oregon. I have a BA in Biblical Literature from Multnomah Bible College and a BA and MA in German Lit from Portland State. Terry and I have um, two kids, 16 and almost 18. Both are on the autism spectrum. So I taught college-level German ESL and choral conducting before we had our family. Um, and Terry and I currently teach, co-teach a Sunday school class at church. Mm. It is a pretty fantastic Sunday school group. It really is, yeah. Um, and also, you have a couple of books out. I do. Yeah. That are out right now about I do. autism. Yes, Autistic ABCs and Autistic 123s. Mm-hmm. And just talk about our experiences with our family and kids on the autism spectrum. Yeah, those are, well, I've read the ABCs one, and yeah. it is, one, it's a really easy read. It's an easy and read. And it is, it gets right to the heart. It's a great um, read. It's really impactful. I'd recommend, if you're listening, to check that book out. Um, it's a, really a fantastic down-to-earth mm-hmm. resource. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And Jacob, super different, yeah. or it's, it's a little weird to ask you to introduce yourself because you are here for every episode, <laughs> but now you're behind a mic. Yes, um, as well as the screens, as well as the yeah. screens, more Double so duty. than usual with yeah. notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'm Jacob Huey. Uh, I work at Culture Bound as the administrative assistant, but also as um, we gave my, we gave me a title of producer for this podcast um i run the sound equipment as well as do the editing for the podcast and so it's going to be interesting not only just to be behind a mic for this episode mm-hmm. but also to go back and have to listen to my own voice as i edit <laughs> so um, fun. <laughs> always a great time um aside from that uh i graduated from Multnomah university with my ba in bible and theology youth ministry and psychology I'm currently in my studies at a graduate level, getting my master's in a uh, biblical studies with an emphasis in Hebrew Bible. And then I also am an intern at Montevilla Church, where I work in the high school youth group, but also um, go wherever uh, they need me to go. So it's looked like um, not only teaching in the high school youth group, but occasionally teaching in other Sunday school groups pastoring offering plates you know just going where there is a need mm. proves a point of you guys are the the perfect guests to have on this episode honestly mm-hmm. given your experience and your your uh, learnings well just <laughs> your hearts like yeah your hearts to too. have people grow mm. in their faith and mm. hear truth and be nurtured with love mm. yeah those are great attitudes to take into this episode as we touching some of these sometimes tricky uh, subjects and topics. So this episode, we're going to look at the way that the Bible addresses gender. Um, and in order to do that, so we're going we're gonna to touch on a few different passages within Scripture and touch on a few different themes throughout the Bible. Um, but first, we need to talk about 
um, like role and status of of women in the church, but mm-hmm. I mean women in general. Um, and there's there's several passages that can be construed to say that you know women shouldn't be in leadership positions or have certain titles, and a lot of women feel upset about that rightly so you know or like they they don't have a place because their gifting is in within those roles sometimes and so we want to talk about that a little bit to start i think we've seen women who have the gift but if they're not given the title then it's okay for them to exercise it <laughs> yeah so it's okay if you teach but we're not going to call it teaching we'll just call it sharing mm-hmm. or something like that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. <laughs> the one I've seen commonly has been, well, you're not the worship pastor, you're the worship director. Right. Um, or some or not the children's pastor, but the children's director. Right. And so we even want to remove the title of pastoring away from it to away from someone mm. to even though they are fulfilling the role of what a pastor would do. Why, we, why would we let people do a task um, with a certain title and then not do that same task with, with a title that is a disagreement with our mm-hmm. beliefs, even if they may not be biblical? Mm. I mean, I think for sure part of it has to do with just the connotation of the word. And like pastor, for example, mm-hmm. like we have this idea of a pastor being a man and mm. it can't not be a man. And when there's a woman pastor, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it, but and then you have to start breaking down the world the word pastor, I guess. Right. right? If you don't so, think about what the word pastor what does means, that even mean? <laughs> like from a biblical perspective, like uh, or even yeah, what's the difference between a pastor and someone that's teaching? I don't know, in front of a few people on a Sunday school, even for example. Yeah. And my pushback question to that is: Is a pastor just teaching? Mm. Is pastor just a synonymous term for teacher? say there's there's some leadership or a lot of leadership that has to go in with that mm-hmm. right it's mm. not just teaching yeah um and you can correct me if i'm wrong either one of you but i've heard pastor being synonymous with shepherd mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. like pastor a pastor yeah you know shepherding um what are the like what are the roles of a shepherd you know yeah mm-hmm. yeah i did hear uh, or i read something um, some Christian leader said, it's okay for a man to learn from someone like Beth Moore, from a woman, mm-hmm. as long as she's not his pastor. Mm-hmm. And this is opening up more. So she can do it as long as she doesn't have the title. Right. As mm-hmm. long as she doesn't, or she's not in that role over him, he can learn something from her teaching, but, but she couldn't exercise the role of of shepherd why is that important like why is the title so important i think i think what for one the issue that we're talking about today has been one that is centuries old and so um it's not something that's come up recently but something that's been brewing really since the beginning since the fall um at least in my opinion um, and with that, we have a huge spectrum of beliefs when it comes to women in ministry and how that all plays out. And I think what, what we see um, 
as these as we're willing to let a woman teach but not have the title of pastor is a side of that spectrum trying to navigate mm. um a space where for them their personal conviction is a woman can't be in this role but this woman has the gift of teaching clearly um and they're trying to navigate what for th- for them is a gray area mm. um and be comfortable at the end so for them the conclusion looks like we let her teach but we don't give her the title because we want to be clear in our own conscience about it and how we conduct ourselves now that's not to say that they're right or wrong i think that's just what we see is this we're some people are left in this tension about this issue because what they see in scripture and how we practice it look very different mm. and they we don't as humans we don't like uncomfortability i mean that's how we learn based off of piaget is that when we're made uncomfortable we find the quickest resolution that equalizes everything again okay. and then we move forward and i think that's what you kind of see in interesting, this interesting. this battle of of we'll let you fulfill the role but not give you the title is that well we don't want to push you down but at the same time we need to be comfortable with ourselves too i was just wondering what scripture they're pulling from when they i don't know, make those kind of statements about titles about versus titles? gifting Ooh, um, I mean, there's the one in First Timothy two. Probably mm. the First Timothy two, yeah. That's that's a huge one. That's a big one where you know it's the passage where Paul is writing to Timothy about how to conduct the matters going on in Ephesus, and it's commonly been interpreted as um, instructions on how to operate a church. And one of the lines is that women should remain silent and not have or Usurp authority. Usurp authority over a man. Um, There's other passages, 1 Corinthians 14 near the end. Mm. Um, There's, I mean, just looking at the creation story, there's been arguments made from when Eve was created and what God said about the role that Eve will fulfill. Can I read that? Yeah. Those couple of verses. So this is 1 Timothy chapter 2, and it's verse 11 through 15. let a woman, this is from the ESV, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. And I have grappled with that passage for mm. so long <laughs> yeah. because it's like i mean it's it's less verses 11 and 12 and more verse 13 where he's talking about how eve was the transgressor mm. and so now she has to save herself through childbearing and it's like well my initial reaction when i read this verse the few the first few times was just like well is this just is this just the nature of things like am i a lesser moral being because woman sinned first (laughs) you know um and is the only way to redeem myself which and at this point i know you know christ is the one that redeems me but it's the only way to redeem myself by you know sitting quietly and having kids you know because that's kind of how it reads yeah and so it's a really tricky one to 
really deconstruct and um and be able to see the whole of scripture and how it contrasts that's that's the key is not just taking one passage and this is a great example of we need the whole bible mm. to help interpret the bible mm. um because mm-hmm. um someone's brought up that Romans actually does the opposite. It puts the responsibility instead of on Eve on to Adam as the one who who sinned. Sin came through a man, Adam. Um, but how much greater that the gift and the redemption comes through a man mm-hmm. through through Christ. So there is hope. Yeah. Yeah. And that we would have to say in light of the rest of scripture that especially the last part about the childbearing thing yeah because what does that mean does that mean that um a single missionary woman who has spent all her life and devoted her life to the mission field is not going to be saved because she didn't bear any children well i think logic would tell us no that can't be right right so there was there's something we're missing mm. probably yeah and yet there's judgments made all the time based on those verses. Yeah. Yeah. This this passage is very messy. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a bit that gets lost in translation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Um, literally literally lost in translation of just mm. you know, there's a whole spectrum of beliefs that come just from this one passage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some take it very literally at from the English translation says this is the way it's gotta be. This is what Paul wrote, it's the word of God. The unwise practice of that is, you know, you should never really form doctrine based off of one verse mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. one section of verses, especially when that those section of verses, right? Or some can make the argument that it's incongruent with the rest of scripture. Along with that, there's the other side of the argument that the Greek to English translation doesn't pan out the way it should. So this Greek word that we have translated to mean to have full of power or authority over. Mm. In some other ancient Greek texts, it's used to mean commit murder, murderer, murder by one of the same family. And so what we then have to look at is what then happens here. Is it mm-hmm. true that this means to have not to not have authority over, or is Paul getting at something else? And so there's different literary arguments of the structure of First Timothy, what this passage is actually about. Mm. Um, you can go on and on about that. And then the childbearing one is, you know, if it wasn't already a messy, hard, complex passage, then you have what follows next. Um, And even then, I was reading in a commentary that there is a definitive article in the Greek that comes before childbearing. And so one of the points of view on that passage is that with the introduction of original sin and the context of that, that the definitive article comes into play to refer to the birth, referring to Christ. That it's talking about a woman will be saved through godliness and ultimately through the birth of Christ. Of Christ. And that's mm-hmm. just a point of that's just one of the points of view, because again, yeah. it, all of these talks and all of these opinions on these passions passages fall on a spectrum. And the rough part is is that there's these passages have been debated for a while now. Has it ramped up recently? Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> I'm hesitant to say this, but it would be really interesting to 
go back to those original languages that it was written in and almost <laughs> rephrase those few verses in a more empowering way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it would. I mean, and you've seen some do it. Um, I mean, there's been the whole, there's been a whole movement recently with Bibles um, in recent history moving to more gender-inclusive language. Um, and that's sparked a whole new debate. Um, yeah. <laughs> as it does. That's another episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, another episode for sure. Yeah. So looking at the original languages, which is hard because it's like we're not, you know, I I truly do believe that your Eng- English translations do a good job, and are still the word of God. We're not getting an interpretation of the word of God when we read our translation. We're mm-hmm. still getting the word of God. Um. But what makes it the word of God? Mm. You know. We can, someone could read the Bible who doesn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them and read a book and walk away saying those are cool stories. What makes the difference is that when we open up our Bibles, even our English translations, with the Holy Spirit in us, we're opening up a dialogue with the Lord. Mm. Um, and I believe the English translations do that as well. Um, yeah. the, the difference is, is being careful, when hand, being responsible when handling the Word of God. Yeah. And handling with deliberation and in conversation with the Holy Spirit. And, and you even see that with this passage, mm-hmm. like even reading it through the translation that it's written in, it has opened up a dialogue between myself and the Lord. Yeah. I'm like, hey, does this really mean what I think it means at first glance? Mm-hmm. You know? And and also other people, because that would that'd mm-hmm. be the caveat that I add is that our faith is one of community, right? Yeah. And so the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you, dwells in me, dwells in mm-hmm. John, Mel, Perry. Um, so to converse with one another about it is also part of the beauty of reading the Bible, is that mm. you can do it as solo time, but you can also do it as a collective unit and discuss, and yeah. all the while grow closer to God. Not saying that God added this passage just to trick people into talking to him more about it, but... <laughs> It, it's it's where we're at i don't think a passage a passage especially the childbearing one is a tricky one um and i don't think we'll know the answer to truly what that passage means and the mysteries behind it until we get to heaven mm. as um as a whole what seems to be god's purpose for creating us as man and woman well i mean why why have two different kinds of humans in the first place even that's a big picture question mm-hmm. um and i i wrote down in thinking about that question that it illustrates a kingdom principle which is that of reproduction that mm. creation the way it was made, and not just humans, but all of creation is made to reproduce. And so there's a big, there's a big picture, picture mm-hmm. in that. And I know Jacob has a further, a lot further <laughs> to expound. <laughs> and I think part of that question too is, yeah. you know, why two? Why right. two like, instead of three? Why not three? Why right. not one? Why not any number of different right. kinds of people? Like, mm-hmm. what's the significance of having two different kinds yeah. rather than a whole myriad of mm-hmm. 
and that somehow male and female communicate a full picture of God. Yeah. Um, is that just assuming that his Holy Spirit was going to be in their midst? Mm. And that's the third element that gives that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the question that comes up in my mind when you ask that question is the question of like, well, he could have made us all the exact same, mm-hmm. all obedient, all, um, the, the, he could have just made us without gender too. Just right. I problem. mean, we're all yeah. very different yeah. Yeah. Get rid of, our own. Get rid, <laughs> get rid of that, that tension altogether. Um, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. And so I think without, throughout scripture and even just the purpose of scripture is under the category of revelation. Um, ultimately all pointing back to God. And I think throughout scripture, that's the goal you see with all these stories that are mentioned with all, uh, the new Testament, the old Testament, everything is this, this sign that ultimately points back to who God is, um, and what he's about. I mean, you see it through different illustrations of different, what we call laws in Deuteronomy, um, all teaching who God is and his character. Um, and I think the making of two genders is no different. You know, we have this very complex idea, um, and we have been given this very complex idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three beings somehow one god and it doesn't make sense in our human minds when we hear how marriage works between mm-hmm. um a husband and a wife mm-hmm. is that these two separate beings come together to form one union and in fact when we get to the new testament in ephesians 5 and paul discuss how a uh, husband and wife ought to treat one another um the, what he uses as an illustration is Christ and the church, two separate entities working together. Mm. Um, so there's, and then even um, Jesus' prayer um, talks about how he desires for us to be one, all of us with our separate personalities, gender, you name it, that makes us all diverse and unique coming together and forming one being. So I, I, I think that two, why two specifically, who knows? <laughs> mm. um, there's not really a definitive Bible verse or Bible story right. that points directly mm-hmm. to that God spells it all out for us of why he chose two. Maybe he just spun a wheel and it landed on two. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think part, definitely a huge part of forming this diverse the diversity we see today is to show, to definitely give us a glimpse of not only how the Father loves us and how God loves us, uh, but also um, how to give us a better glimpse of who He is and how how He operates operates in such a complex way, but in such a loving way at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So many different kinds of people. It's like, well, God made all these different kinds of people and he's reflected through each person in different ways, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And so we get a fuller picture because there are more different kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm taking away from that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. Just thinking about 
Peter who calls the woman the weaker vessel mm. and thinking about my kids being on the autism spectrum, being one of those that would be classified as weaker yeah. um, or, or lesser, but they're no less in mm. the image of God. Like mm-hmm. you said, they, they have a facet to display even though we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. encouraging. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in society, we see a lot of, like, cultural gender roles, mm-hmm. right? Like, these things are a man's job and these other things are a woman's job. And we might judge you if you kind of intermingle in what those roles, what kind of jobs you take on, mm. whether that's in the home or in a career or whatever. Um, but in Genesis, like in the beginning, we don't, I mean, there wasn't a, a full culture of people at that point. So there wasn't like, you know, cultural norms. I mean, there were in a sense, but not the way we see them today. Um, but the purpose with which God created Eve as a helper, mm. um, I, at least that's the word that's used in English. Um, like, can we talk about that? What does that mm-hmm. actually mean? Sometimes it's like misconstrued as like, well, she is second to Adam and there's this hierarchy, like Adam is her leader and she is submitted to him, which maybe in a sense that's, that has a bit of truth, but it's not the full picture mm-hmm. is there a kind of an unbalanced power dynamic that culture brings to the man and woman's relationship that's a great question i think from either perspective you could a feminist could look at that and say see you are incomplete without me and i add everything that you lack right sure yeah it's like oh my goodness we are prone to to wanting to lord it over mm. somebody else um, in our sin nature, we want to say, I'm better than you mm. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, that wasn't the intent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like hierarchy or seeking, like you're saying, to lord it over is like one of the main wedges in, that gets put in between men and women. Yeah. And we just ostracize each other for it. But back to that helper word, like... Yeah what was the intention <laughs> like what what did that actually mean because like it's so skewed at this point now that it's is that is the hierarchy actually real yeah so that passage is you know talked about at the beginning is one of the passages used to describe what a woman's role is in terms of church a helper and you know like you guys just got done talking about we so some people have taken that helper to create this power dynamic. Yeah. Um, and in reality, this this helper to go to the original language Hebrew, um, this helper word that is used is uh, azer. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, where where you start to run into trouble if you take this helper word uh, in Hebrew to mean this power dynamic mm-hmm. of the woman is there serving and being is below man in this power dynamic is that you see throughout um psalms how david will use this azer word to refer to god as his helper not much further from genesis you get to the story of moses 
and you have him name uh, something Eliezer, which is Eli, which is God, and Azer, because Moses said, the God of my father was my help, Azer, mm -hmm. and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. So are we then, if we carry the definition of this power dynamic relationship from Genesis into the rest of scripture, I think you have to then wrestle with the idea that Moses and David both refer to God as their helper. Mm -hmm. Does that then make, when Moses and David wrote these lines, their understanding of the relationship with God to be a power dynamic one in which they were the ones above God? I would say absolutely not. No, I don't <laughs> yeah. think so either. Um, so I really think, and I, I, when I read this passage, in my opinion, um, is that this, this helper role could be more, some people have put it as suitable helper. Um, a helper fit for him. Helper fit for him. Um, we just read that in the, one, the footnotes that uh, my software has is that a helper corresponding to him um creating more of an equal playing th field that's uh, a great word it's a partnership that takes place um there are some other people who draw on the imagery in which what bone was taken from adam to form eve and that was his rib from the side it wasn't his feet mm. so that she was it, the imagery was that she was lower it wasn't from his head to show that she was superior to him, it was right from the side. They're partners mm. with it. Continuing on the idea I've made previously of this idea that this relationship of male and female gives us a glimpse into how God operates, I think that carries over to the New Testament when you see this idea that we believe that all three parts of the Trinity are equal in power, but yet we read that Jesus is still submissive to the Father. Mm -hmm. mm. That the power dynamic's not there, but yet you see these, this submitting aspect again and again in ephesians 5 when paul talks about marriages um the language of both isn't that then that one's a tricky one too because one of the beliefs from that passage is that you know man is made to be over husband is made to be head of the household and a lot of people have taken that to form a power dynamic of, yeah. um but i think what you see when you when you read that passage more and more is that the man there's language that suggests he's ahead of a household but there's also this constant language of each one submit continually submitting humbly to the other mm -hmm. that it's not about who can get to the top but in fact who can submit themselves more yeah and it's mm. like in order to submit to someone you have to trust them mm -hmm. otherwise it's subjection when there's an where's there when there's an assumed authority dynamic, it's you can't submit with with a whole lot of trusting. It's hard to fully trust someone who is in who you mm. perceive as being an an authority over you. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you can have authority figures that you trust, right? Mm -hmm. But unless it's a true partnership, I think there's a different level of trust there. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you're submitting to the other one as as an authority almost, mm -hmm. but it's happening on both sides. It's equal. Yeah. Jesus is such a great picture of submission. Yeah. And mm. not only to his father, but when you think that he um, submitted himself to, to be born of yeah. a woman, to, and then 
we have that great example of his washing the disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he says, um, I'm an example of one who serves. Son of man did not come to be served, but to mm-hmm. serve. And then he entrusted mm-hmm. himself to sinful men who, who crucified him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, there, he says to Pilate, you don't take this life from me. I submit myself mm-hmm. from my own authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and wow, what a powerful, powerful expression of, of submission for, for our good, mm-hmm. um, for redemption. And is it, the Bible also says that Jesus is the head of the church. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that the same language that is used uh, to say that, the, I don't know, that well, the, yeah, the would be marriage the reflecting Christ's yeah, church? Exactly. Yeah. What you're yeah. pulling from, I believe, yeah. is the same illustration from um, mm. Ephesians 5. Yeah. Gotcha. Just, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not to say that, like, those mm-hmm. who form their marriage with the man as the head of the household is a, the wrong way of doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just one of the points of views that need to be considered is that it's mm-hmm. not, as we're pointing out, it's not this power dynamic relationship yeah, taking exactly. place. It's this continually coming before one another, humbly submitting ourselves mm-hmm. and loving one another the way Christ loves his church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The 1 Corinthians 11 passage, uh, 1 Corinthians eleven three, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. Mm-hmm. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So we read a passage like that, and we think, well, there's, there's no superiority or inferiority in the Godhead. Yeah. Um, but there's a structure. Yeah, it's, there's an illustration and, and something there, again, that we probably don't quite get. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. does it mean to be the head? Um, there's, yeah. It's not an inferior, superior idea mm-hmm. what does that's it where, mean that's why i liked how you uh, you're talking about jesus and his um everything that he did his, all his submission to to things yeah that was such a cool picture of like okay yeah. um maybe the the idea of being the head of something doesn't actually mean what we think it means especially in i don't know the the western culture and how we structure everything, honestly, mm-hmm. when it comes down to politics, to corporations, to business, where you have a head and that's the person that's in charge. Yeah. Um, and that's not the case when you look at biblical examples. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jesus was pretty clear about that with the disciples. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think especially as part of a Western culture, we, yeah. I mean, it seems like every controversy is some issue of authority mm-hmm. and saying, who's in charge of this? who's running this and how can I one up them? How can I gain control back? You know? And I think part of it is we, we want, we almost want things as humans to be mechanical because mechanical is easier to understand. So much easier. If I have a, an org org chart of who's in charge, who do I report to easy. I could do my job and I could do it well. But the moment you add relationships to the mess, and I think mm-hmm. that's what's made the Trinity so hard for us to grapple with is because mm-hmm. we want to be able to explain what's going on there. Yeah. We want to be yeah. able to explain the unique, mecha- mechanically be able to explain how it is possible for three separate beings that do different roles somehow together, come together and still form one God. The reality is, is we can't explain that. 
it's messy and it's ab- way above our pay grade <laughs> <laughs> um this side of heaven that it is one of those things that's like all right god you're one person and you've elected to show yourself in three separate beings but yet still be one whole god <laughs> mm. um and i think the same kind of goes i mean we talk about it in the metaphorical sense at weddings um that the two should become one mm. um but there is a mystery behind that that the two become more than just a metaphor of oneness mm-hmm. right um that we can't explain this side of heaven. Mm. Well, and that we who know Christ and are in Christ would have him dwell in us mm-hmm. as a body. It's like, what is that? Yeah. Huh. How can that be? Yeah. Like, I can really easily understand Christ living in me, yeah. you know, in my own heart. Right. But to trust that he's also living and working in people around me. Yeah. Like, that's a little foreign. Yeah, especially when they are different than you or yes. like, extremely different, yeah. you know, and ex- do extremely different things and have sometimes even different convictions. Yeah. It's like, wait, this is the same Holy Spirit. <laughs> How yeah. does this work? Yeah. It gets, I think it's messy, this side of heaven, because it is, it's like we've been talking about a lot of these beliefs when it comes to how you interpret a specific passage. Is it supposed to be taken literally or... Mm. Is there something else at play here? Have we misunderstand the literary form in which Paul's writing in that changes how we then translate mm. this passage? Or is it, and that's not to create this sense of doubt in our, definitely not our listeners or you guys, but just this sense of like, on this side of heaven, we have a lot of competing noises when we enter the word of God and when we yeah. decide mm-hmm. to open up our, the, the word and talk to him and read these passages that are very, very tricky that we need to wholly rely on the Holy Spirit is that we're also yeah. bringing with us stuff when we converse with somebody. Mm. We're bringing our own traditions, our own understandings uh, that we've heard in sermons time and time again when we enter a passage like First Timothy 2 um, and how we've seen our churches model it. Um, that mm-hmm. it's hard, it gets increasingly difficult to separate the two voices of, okay, well, this is what my church has told me, but what, what's the Holy Spirit telling me? Right. Mm-hmm. Not to say that the church has gotten it wrong. It's just, there's been a lot of debate and we have this huge spectrum now that when we enter a text like this, we come loaded with all these other points of view that we forget mm-hmm. to consult the one that gives us the objective truth when we come mm-hmm. to scripture. want to touch on another aspect of uh you know god designing eve as adam's helper and a couple of the ways Mm. that that gets misconstrued in today's culture um sometimes people see helper and or it maybe it's just so ingrained in us that women are it's in some way the gatekeeper or um responsible for um what men choose to do Um, whether that's in the way that they dress or um, the roles that men assume that they have. Sometimes uh, (laughs) men look for a romantic partner, but what they really need is like 
a, a new mom, basically. <laughs> um, and so we, there's something Jacob brought up earlier about, uh, or who was it? Is one of you that was bringing up women being the the lesser be or the weaker vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can pin that title on women and then expect them or hold them accountable for the things that men do, mm. like how does that end up working? You know, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be a logic to that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying that's how everyone operates. I'm saying that is, it's a it's a vein through our culture that ends mm. up being a problem. Yeah. I think we, since the fall, we've looked for ways to blame each other. Yeah. And looked for ways to avoid responsibility. Um, just people do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a great example we talked about the other day was um, dress codes mm-hmm. and how a lot of the time the dress code for girls is this long list of things and then it's not so much talked about from the guy's side of things yeah um and how a lot of times girls are blamed for guys not being able to pay attention in class because their shoulder is showing and it's like well (laughs) how is that my fault (laughs) you know Mm. just there being more more monitoring of what Mm. how girls express themselves and less accountability for how guys will interact with that Mm mm-hmm I just don't know that there's a biblical instruction that says that. I think we take passages that we've talked about, you know, mm-hmm. 1 Timothy 2. Because um, I mean, in 1 Timothy 2, you have a beginning, that beginning part where people take that passage of how a, girl, how a female should endure herself in fancy jewelry to be right. a modesty verse. 1 Timothy 2 doesn't talk about this idea of covering up certain parts of your body or a woman controlling her what she wears so that she doesn't cause her brother to stumble there are passages that say specifically that Mm -hmm. of how Mm -hmm. we as followers look Mm -hmm. out for those who have these convictions and do our best to cause them not to stumble right and i would point to the um the instance where jesus is saying if your eye causes you to sin pluck it out and throw it away Mm -hmm. you know and reprimanding men for letting their, you know, their lust or their mm-hmm. desire control their behavior. Yeah. And I think, I think what we see out of a structure like that, where we create this gatekeeping almost in this, mm. um, it's the woman's responsibility to make sure that a man doesn't stumble based off of what they wear. We create this system that really comes from sin and from, the enemy, I believe, because there's so much shame wrapped in it. Mm. You know, speaking from a male's perspective, those kind of talks where it's in modesty talk, being told like, hey, do the best you can, but you're kind of stuck with the way your hormones work and how much that creates this um, trapped mindset. The reality of what the message should be is saying like, hey, you're not trapped in this. The Spirit does give you a spirit of self-control, and Jesus does give you the power to break free. It's not by my own ability that I break free from um, the, these sins. It's from, the, from Jesus who breaks them for me. Yeah. Right. Wow. And that has huge mm. cultural implications. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
the stories I've heard from this female's perspective of what that system does is awful. It creates a shame mentality of the connection gets made that the body is sinful. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's no longer the temple. It's no longer the temple. Mm. Um, that you need to cover it up. Um, and that, and it creates a whole lot of unnecessary pressure of like, it's up to you. Yeah. To, and it, I mean, yeah. even further, like it, it puts blame on you. If like, if something happens to you in that realm, mm-hmm. like it, you can be blamed for that. Mm-hmm. Like this happened to you mm-hmm. because of how you were dressed and you really should have, you know, mm-hmm. covered it up, <laughs> you know, or, or your brother sinned because you didn't decide to wear exactly. And t-shirt. it's like, you've heard, I've heard pastors say, well, it was Bathsheba's fault because she was bathing on the roof. Oh and it's like, wait a That's second. a private place, yeah. honestly. In that culture, it was supposed to be your responsibility not to look. Yeah. Mm. And, um, but it's so interesting that we, we go to scripture looking for dress codes yeah. instead yeah. of um, the spirit of the law, which is supposed to be, um, I'm supposed to carry my own load. And also, I'm supposed to bear somebody else's burden. Mm. So that responsibility, it's supposed to be shared. Mm, Um, Wow. We're really messed up in our thinking Mm -hmm. and how Mm. we approach some of these things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I like that shared. It's it's a two-way street. It's And I think for far too long, um, we've been on this pendulum swing that the pendulum's been stuck to one extreme for so long. Yeah. No. Um, that it hasn't come back to the back towards the middle, where it's this idea of like we're each looking out for each other. It's not this individual faith where I'm working on my things on my own, but also keeping in consideration what's this gonna do for what I know about my brother and sister, where oh. their convictions at, where their struggles at. Um, instead of just this like we talked about before, this mechanical structure where it's like, if I can point out these things that this person shouldn't wear, I'll be good to go. But that's not the case because exactly. it removes all relationship with God. It's just the easy God. way out. Yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't take care of the heart. Not at all. There's no transformation <laughs> yeah. in that. Yeah. You don't get rid of the issue. You just push it out of sight. I mean, I see that same kind of dynamic take place in... Um, in marriages or relationships that are unhealthy or that are abusive, um, where a lot of times one party is, if they are the victim in that sense, they're often blamed for their abuser's behavior, wow. where they're held responsible because they weren't a good, en- they weren't a loving enough wife or mm-hmm. they didn't do X, Y, Z. And so, of course, this is happening to them. Mm-hmm. And so, you see that play out in different realms of, um, male female relationships mm-hmm. and i mean re- not even just male female relationships but in 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 uh relationships i've had with my girlfriends like that's hap- that same thing has happened where mm-hmm. it's like you weren't a good enough friend and so that's why i'm treating you this way and it's like oh. what are you talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. i i didn't think i was I, I had that much power you know yeah um yeah and so it seems maybe more evident in a marriage or in a dating relationship, but it happens in regular friendships mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And I think the fundamental breakdown in this, these things is the, the charge we're given is to submit to one another. Yeah. To be clear, but didn't clarify the definition earlier, 
if you're submitting, if you are doing it against your will mm-hmm. and you feel like you're making a choice to submit, quote unquote, against your will, then at that point, it's no longer submission. Mm-hmm. submission. Yeah, submission is always a choice. Is a choice. It is a choice mm-hmm. you make free of threat mm-hmm. um, to humbly submit yourself to one another. That's the submission we're talking about when we read Ephesians 5 and everywhere mm-hmm. else. Uh, that's, that's the idea. And so when we, what fundamentally breaks down in what we've been talking about is that that submitting to one another goes away. At some point, it becomes an abusive relationship mm-hmm. when one partner is consistently submitting and the other one saying, I'm over you still. Yeah. yeah. It creates that power dynamic that no longer becomes the other partner's submitting, but then becomes an abusive relationship. And that's not submission. And that even changes how we look when God or uh, told to submit to Christ or submit yeah. to God. That changes that mm-hmm. that dynamic as well, almost. And that's a whole nother topic. But mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I shouldn't have to submit to anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Just like Jesus submitted himself to the church, giving up his life freely by his choice to follow mm-hmm. the Father, freely gave up his life in the same way. Husbands, submit yourselves to your wives. Um, And vice versa, it goes both ways. So as kind of a broad subject of the season identity, how does that kind of play into gender and gender roles, uh, especially considering the passage in Galatians, uh, specifically Galatians 3.28, where Paul talks about there is no man, there is no woman, there's no male, female, uh, there is only Christ. Mm. Did I quote that right? <laughs> we can find enough? the passage. I should probably quote that I exactly. have it. Do you want me to read oh, it? That'd yes. be great, yeah. Galatians 3, starting, well... I'll I'll start at 28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, Mm. neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to the promise. Mm. Back up to verse 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Mm -hmm. For Mm -hmm. all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed, clothed yourselves with christ how is that in your guys's mind supposed to shape our views of even in the church and even in marriage or just in relationship how men and women should relate to each other and what and if they should even take specific roles based on culture um listening to the passage again Mm -hmm. this is going to be a hot take um but I don't think that's what the passage is getting at at all. Okay. Yeah. Reading it in its context, it's talking about our lineage, mm. our descendancy, and therefore yes. our right to be okay. Not our right, but like our um, our ability to be unified and to mm. know that we are heirs of God is because there is no way we can advance. There is none. Mm. Y- you can't mm. advance. Like you, there's no Jew or Greek just okay. because you're Jewish doesn't give you a higher standing in the inheritance. So you could be Jew or Gentile. You can't be slave or free. That's not going to give you an advantage either. 
if you are using the language of this, the passage, if you're under slave or free, that's not going to give you any standards of getting a better inheritance or not. Mm. And neither is male or female. Mm. Because the reality, in Christ, none of those things matter. Mm. You don't have to fit a box mm. to get the inheritance. By being in Christ, we have the ability to be one, to be unified, still diverse, but be right. unified, um, and be descendants of Abraham to be included into that covenant mm-hmm. that comes through its fulfillment in Christ. Mm-hmm. And to be actually joint heirs, mm. that's from Romans, not from Galatians, but um, to be joint heirs with Christ, mm-hmm. it's, that's mind-blowing. So overall, it's kind of saying that we're not supposed to be limited by those titles yeah. to whether or not mm-hmm. we get work through the Holy Spirit that we have that inheritance in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, could, could, you, could you maybe take that, or is it too much of a stretch to take that and say um, that because those titles that we are given, man, woman, Jew, Greek, slave, free, don't um, affect our inheritance, it also doesn't affect how God can work through us and how he chooses to. I know for me personally, that's how I do take it. For me, okay. this, this is a passage that I go to when talking about spiritual gifts. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the inheritance is the same across the board. doesn't matter about status. Hmm. God can work through anybody. He doesn't hmm. need our, our human power dynamics um, to accomplish his goal he can Mm. give the gift of teaching to anybody Mm. um because in his eyes there is no jew or greek well i shouldn't say that Um, it's not that there is none it's not there is it's not that there is none it's just it doesn't carry the same power dynamic yes that we have put on Uh, those titles Mm -hmm. that Uh, is probably the most beautiful way that i've heard that section explained it's yeah because i think we do serve a God who values diversity. You read about in Revelation when we come together at the end, we're all good at every tribe, nation, and tongue will come together. I, you know, and what you're going to hear is not cook. We're not going to be purified that we're all the same. Mm. I think we're still going to have different cultures. We're going to have us different on purpose. Yeah. Like right. he, he made us different on purpose and we'll come together and we'll, worship God in our own tongue in a very mm-hmm. diverse way, but removed from the shackles of sin um, where each culture can be honored and respected. Yeah. Mm. I think it's really important that we look at it that way. Like these differences between us, cultural differences, and maybe some of these status, status things, these earthly status mm-hmm. sets, if you will, don't go away when we get to heaven. Mm-mm. They we get to navigate through them with each other as a body of Christ with grace and love for one another mm-hmm. perfectly, but we still have to navigate through them. And I don't, I think it loses some of the, the beauty when those things are taken away. Yeah. We're supposed to be that picture here as the body of Christ where the spirit gives the gifts and they're given as he determines and then they're used for the building up of the body, not for the, the advancement of, of one person over another. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. That's hard for us to wrap our heads around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. I love that it just, like you said, it's addressing the power dynamics almost mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you're not disqualified because you just because you're not in a position of power. Mm-hmm. And if you're searching for power, you're searching for the wrong thing. Yeah. Not, not even that you're disqualified, but you can't become more qualified for the inheritance either. Yes. Mm-hmm. It wow. works on both yeah. sides. Um, that it's the, the thing that makes you a descendant of a son of God, child of God, and brings you into oneness with your brothers mm-hmm. and sisters and with Christ isn't your status. It's do you know and believe Jesus Christ is your savior and that God loves mm-hmm. you? From that comes the overflow of how we then enter in relationship with mm-hmm. others. Yeah, I don't think I've really felt the power of that passage yeah. in particular until talking about it right now. Interpretation's always tricky because there are a spectrum of beliefs. It's not each one right or wrong. There's arguments for and against each one. I know I've heard this passage taken as, um, well, then that there's no diversity. We're, we're, there's, mm. there's no need for it. You know, we need to get on all on the same page. And I, but I read scripture and I read how many cultures are brought into one, how the Gentiles are brought in. They're not asked to change. In fact, they are supposed mm-hmm. to be told, don't follow the customs that, the, that Israel has been doing. That doesn't matter. Um, that there is this honoring of cultures, of mm-hmm. bringing them in, not forcing people to change their cultures, but taking a hard look of what the transformation power of the Holy Spirit and your relationship, God, um, and how then you and how you live out your life changes from there, not from a place of, well, this is the culture of our church and a newcomer coming in. Now you have to fit inside this culture. That I d- that's not what we're called to do. We're called to be that image here on earth of what's to come, and that is... Mm-hmm. Um, as one body mm. doing different roles with diverse personalities coming from different backgrounds and different cultures, hopefully, um, how we honor and love one another. And it's through that, as it's said in the New Testament, that people will know that you are my children. So to start a wrap-up of this episode, um, it might be good to clarify or at least shed some light on um, the true picture of what a uh, relationship looks like between men and women or just between people in general. Mm. Um, we have such a messed up picture of what it is just from what the world, sh- world shows us. There's disunity everywhere, but what does that unity actually look like and how do we get to that point what is the attitude that we need to hold towards each other the attitude of christ from philippians 2 which mm-hmm. um yeah he didn't regard equality interesting word equality with god a thing to be held on to but he emptied himself mm-hmm. i think for women we're very concerned about our equality yeah um but boy Christ's example of of letting that go to submit himself 
to the Father's will. Um, wow, that's that's a tall order mm-hmm. for us mm-hmm. as people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think the idea goes back to exactly Christ's attitude. You know, this submitting one itself, one itself, giving up stuff that we hold on to in pride. I know for personal mm-hmm. applications for me as someone who has been put more into positions of teaching, sometimes it looks like that I step aside so someone else can have the chance mm-hmm. to elevate their voice. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my responsibility. That's my submitting to one another, is when there's a female also in the room who has the gift of teaching, sometimes it looks like that I step aside um, and submit myself to maybe... The Spirit's not speaking through me today, but speaking through her today for the lesson. And just being willing to, even though I know I have the gift of teaching, doesn't mean I'm the only one in the room with mm-hmm. Um So it's this attitude of being willing to step aside and elevate those around us that I think is very important. The submitting to one another idea is so important in our interactions between male and female um, and just with people in general. General, doesn't matter if you're going across gender or within the same gender. It's submitting to one another. Well, and that's so foreign, isn't it, to how what mm-hmm. we've seen mm. modeled? Um, when you were talking, it reminded me of the passage where it says, if someone's speaking and a, and a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, the one who's speaking is supposed to stop mm-hmm. and yeah. let that. It's like, that would never happen in our circles you mm-hmm. know we just yeah. i've seen that happen. Mm-hmm. i was gonna yeah. say not to yeah. not to brag on your guys' sunday school class but that's <laughs> kind of what happens every now and yeah. then right yeah. Is, yeah. is you guys are up there talking yeah. and um and then someone will raise a question or make a point and then the conversation as you guys planned it probably derails derails but that's not a bad thing because that that can very well be from god that that person the audience got yeah and the freedom to be able to step aside and say all right well now we're going off script or Mm -hmm. now we're going to pray and ask the holy spirit or um, just giving that person the freedom to say hey um let me say this thing that's coming to mind right now yeah i think it is something that's difficult to see in today's culture it is. Um, but I think I think it does I think you you absolutely can do it. Yeah. Wow. I think that's a huge part of maturing as a teacher and as mm-hmm. a leader. Um is m- <laughs> not sticking so so fastly to your script, you know? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say, "Oh, I've put in so many hours planning mm-hmm. and so of course this is what the Lord wants to share tonight or in wow. this lesson or whatever." And then somebody says something and, you know, as an immature leader, you kind of dismiss it and you're like, okay, back to script. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's like, well, what if the Holy Spirit has a different direction? And what if it's about the community and their direction, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it will always be about the community, won't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I've heard really good arguments about passages we've taken as individual commands in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And how they're not meant for individuals, but for the collective unit. Amen. One example in particular is the armor of God. We have commonly taken that, at least I have heard it, 
um, yeah. in the Western world as like, well, that's something you do as an individual. You as an individual have the armor of God that you put on yourself. And someone posed this question one time in my undergrad studies. I was like, he said, okay, but who's Paul writing to then? And it's like, well, the church of Ephesus. And it's like, so when did it become an individual command? Paul is telling the church as a communal body to put on the armor of God. Yeah. Mm. It's not my command. It's our command. It's our command. That's right. Like, what, what are we supposed to do with that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that shifts everything. Mm-hmm. So we're all armor mm. bearers and we're mm. all sword wielders and we're all, you know, mm-hmm. we're all, but we're, we're different, but we cover each other. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 We take up the sword we take up the shield in defense of one another mm-hmm. don't get rid of the war metaphor yeah <laughs> yeah are you able to put on a suit of armor by yourself yeah, out of curiosity? yeah i think so yeah historian weren't there people in like the medieval channel? armory rooms that would right. you know help get people dressed <laughs> it would be really difficult to put on your own suit of armor i feel like that would not So in light of, you know, talking about how we should relate to one another and, um, you know, taking on the attitude of Christ in relation to one another, um, I thought it would be fitting to close with Philippians chapter two, the first 11 verses, um, starting in verse one. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, the, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Mm. So thank you guys so much for being on this episode. Thank yes. you. And being thank willing you. to talk about such a tricky subject. <laughs> um, it's our yeah. joy to be here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely had a blast being yeah. one, able to talk this time. This was <laughs> yeah. a fun yeah. one. <laughs> we'll have you on again, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so thank you guys. Thank and you. for our listeners... Next week, we're going to be, we're going to have Mel Steele back on along with Kimberly Shivers, and they're going to talk about some of their experiences as women in the church um, within ministry and with just within their own lives. Um, That's going to be another great episode on this topic. And um, I personally am really looking forward to what they have to say. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you heard Mel's perspective today. She's a rock star. So (laughs) (laughs) um, we look forward to next week and we hope you'll join us. 